0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Afterward. I'm Dave Tish. You know, Jesus's parables are among the best known and most influential stories in the entire world. Even if people don't know anything about Jesus, they don't know anything about Christianity, they probably have heard his stories or they've encountered or have been impacted by expressions like the word prodigal or Good Samaritan. I mean, in fact, even in San Jose, we have a hospital that's called Good Samaritan that's taken from a Jesus parable the importance of the parables of Jesus can actually hardly be overestimated in their impact that they've had on humanity, on the world. We are a story people. We love stories. We inhabit stories. They're easy to remember. They get in us. That's just what stories do. God loves stories. God tells good stories. The Bible is a giant story, and in in that Bible, Jesus is a part of that giant story, and he's one of the best parts of the story. And then even within that Jesus story, Jesus is telling stories. It's like the inception of stories, stories within the story within the story. This week, we're going to look at the parables of Jesus, about a third of what Jesus teaches uh, about the kingdom of God, about life, about reality, about God, about himself, about humanity, about a third of what he teaches are in parable form. There's 24 parables in Matthew, and we get our first batch right here in Matthew 13. Uh, just for reference, there's about 28 in Luke and uh, 10 in Mark, and there's zero in John. John has a whole different narrative game that he's going after, but uh, maybe we'll study the gospel of John later on. I don't know if we ever get done with Matthew. Anyway, this week I've got Steve Clifford here. We're going to talk about the stories of Jesus and how they are so rich because they're not just um, yeah you know, simple do this or do that. Parables both reveal and conceal. Through these riddles and parables and these, these little puzzling, some of these stories are kind of puzzling. They make you think about them. Jesus actually makes incredibly bold claims that reveals the truth to people who had ears to hear. And so I want to be a person who has ears to hear. I want to ponder it. I want to go deeper. I'm here with Steve Clifford. That's what we're going to do. And so with that, let's just dive right in. That's, that's a lot of sweat. That's gross.
1: That's a lot of sweat. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot. I mean, it's just dripping. You got to
0: hydrate when you sweat that much. My
1: brother also sweats that way. My brother has this little thing he puts on a golf court when he plays, and it's, and it's a Velcro thing. And he starts with one glove, and he changes every two holes. And, and he start, he's got five gloves on this thing that's a Velcro deal on it. And so that they'll blow through the wind while he's driving around. And dry out. And he just keeps rotating gloves every two holes because they, they get so wet, he can't hold on to the club. And then that's he gross. Goes, once he goes through five, he goes up to the number one because it's now dried by the time he
0: that's gross. gets to it. When I, the most heat I've ever been around was in the Grand Canyon. I hiked in the Grand Canyon in July not smart it was pretty tough uh we got to the rim at 4 a.m and it was 91 degrees oh my god! it got up to 118 and you had to carry Do you sweat a lot oh uh, yeah and so uh, yeah. we had trained we had tra- I don't sweat a lot we had trained a lot we had trained well but you had to carry a gallon of water for every 50 pounds of weight so i'm not I had to carry quite, quite quite a lot, or maybe it was a half a gallon, a half gallon know, for yeah. every fifty, a half gallon for every fifty pounds. So I was carrying like two two gallon two and a half gallons. So that's we're, a lot of weight. Yeah, and what we would do is I had bandanas and I would put them around my you know you'd sweat through it, and then I'd swap them out. But what was crazy is you literally had to brush off the salt because you were sweating salt so much. It's it's it was it was intense. It was. Why? Uh, I don't know why I did it. Now that I look, I think it might've been a, a challenge. Well, actually we hiked to something called Havasu falls. Do you know what that is? No. So Havasu falls is I'm not hiking. Down no, no, it's terrible. It's not, it's almost <laughs> not, it's, it's an amazing place. I might
1: ride a dirt bike down there. If they no, right. They ha,
0: they actually have uh, mules that, that will yeah, take I ain't you doing that either. And they also have a helicopter. Well, there you go. <laughs> so what happens is it's about, it, it's about like eight, I think it's eight or nine miles back. The Colorado river, which is very cold at this point, it comes over this giant, beautiful waterfall and it, and it's like in a bowl, like in a basin. And it is so cold. The river so cold and the falls are so big. It forms natural air conditioning and drops the temperature almost 40 degrees. Wow. And, and then you swim in that. And, and then what you do is you go down the Colorado river down these like little locks. And so you can go like, like canyoning on the river and just wear like old tennis shoes and you're comfortable all day because the water is so cold and the air is so hot it like evens out. It was actually really cool. All right, well, um well I'm actually glad to be here. Speaking of a, a sweet relief, we're finally out of the conflict zone and we're into the parables of Jesus, which are some of the most famous stories ever told in humanity. Yeah. So it's really it's really kind of a cool time to pause. I we but we fly out through them so fast we don't really get to pause as much as long as we we'd like, but uh, we're in the parables, Steve. We are.
1: We're in the parables.
0: So before we go any further, what were some uh, initial thoughts you had when we got out of that narrative and into the teachings of Jesus in terms of the, because we've done the Sermon on the Mount, right? Right. But the parables are a little bit, uh, I think they're more fun or they're just a little different. So what are some thoughts you have just on parables in general?
1: Well, they're tricky. Oh. They're, they're, um... They trip, they trip people up, I think, sometimes in, in that we, we have this tendency to um, take things that – here's what we have our tendency of. We have a tendency to take things that we should take literally. We take them spiritually. And then there are things that are spiritual statements that need to be interpreted in a particular way, and we take those literally literally. And what I mean, like, it's really clear, don't get drunk. I mean, like, you know, right? Don't get drunk. Well, we're like, well, don't get drunk with wine. And maybe, so maybe it's okay if I drink, get drunk with beer. It, no, no, it's don't get drunk. I mean, it's, it's an imperative command. Don't do it. Do not. And then there are things like Jesus says, um, you know, a parable about uh, the prodigal son. And we'll make it, we'll make it a parable about parenting. And,
0: uh, and, or try to take parenting lessons from the prodigal son the or from the father. Uh, yeah. That'd be bad. And that's a bad plan. <laughs> yeah. It's not a good plan
1: to give a wayward rebellious young right, right. teenager all the money he wants uh, to go and spend any way he wants. That's just not, that's not right. So they're tricky in that um, they can kind of trip people
0: up. Well, I mean, the thing that they require is like meditation, there's stories that have to be kind of rolled over in your mind a bit. Um because that's what they're that's what they're trying to do, right?
1: Yeah. And um and there's a, there's a bunch of them. And so a third of what Jesus said was in parabolic form.
0: How many? There's like 50, yeah, 50 something. There's uh there's 24 in Matthew, 28 in Luke and 10 in Mark. So do the math whatever uh, that I can't. Is. That's 34 and 28 whatever that number is. 52 50. Whatever. plus 10 62 over 60 I don't, whatever i don't know
1: i'm not there. Um, um but but they, they they tend to be a little tricky but they're beautiful they're yeah. because they're memorable they take things that are um simple principles of something that we're probably familiar with us not so much today but jesus certainly in his listeners in his day because uh, some of them are um Very agrarian, you know,
0: very, uh, yeah. Very common.
1: Yeah. So when he talks about a seed, it would have been very common for them and us, you know, we may not have ever, we haven't seen seeds since we were little, little kids or something.
0: Yeah. I don't plant a lot.
1: That's not how I make my, I don't plant a lot. I don't raise animals. Right. I I don't don't harvest fields. Yeah. Right. Not a whole lot. And so, um, but they take the principles of those things that would have been very well known and teach deeper principles about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God works
0: and unfolds. One of the things we didn't get into that I wanted to ask your opinion on, uh, It's interest, it, it struck me that almost every single one of his parables, not all of them, some do deal about Israel, but almost all of them are about the kingdom of God and what it really looks like. So it's trying to illuminate something about the God, the king, the master. Mm -hmm. Almost every parable has, not everyone. A lot of the parables have like a Lord or a king or a father or a master. And that's like, it's a theocentric, this idea that God is the center of the story. But it also has to do with the human response. There's so much about the human response. And it's about the kingdom. It's like Jesus is taking an opportunity to talk about the kingdom of God. And that's really the center of most of the parables. They're very kingdom of God centric. And it reminds me because we've just been marching through where Jesus is kind of showing the kingdom of God, living it out, talking about teaching in, of course, in the Sermon on the Mount, there's some opposition to it. And now he's doing some more reframing and illustrating about the kingdom of God. And strangely enough, it's present tense. Like we are in the kingdom of God. It is, it is, which is shocking now
1: and not yet. It's shocking. Yes. It's not to its full fruition. And we see that in our chapter that we were in this week, um, because he says it, you know, the things won't be completely made right until you get to the to the end of the age, whatever right. that is. But there's also this now principle of this is the way you can you can do it, and that's what I found several times this this past week as I was preparing for this. I found a lot of comfort um, in the clarity of the reality of the way the world works, and then uh, the reality of the way the kingdom grows. Yeah. And I just, I just thought, oh my gosh, it's it's just it's motivating to me um, because I know it's hard, yeah. and that's the parable right about the weeds that there's a there's a battle going on, there's an enemy there, there's there's evil um, and bad things
0: happening amongst us, and they're hard to distinguish sometimes. It is a difficult thing. Yeah. I love that. I was, I was reflecting on that this morning. Um, <laughs> the owner's uh, servants came to the owner and this is in the parable of the weeds and said, uh, uh, the, uh, sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Like where did these weeds come from? Yeah. And then what's he respond? An enemy did this. Right. So there's something going on there too, that Jesus is trying to show us yeah. and then we gloss over too much. I think that there is an enemy who is planting and destroying and wants to work against the good work of god yes
1: there is there is good and evil and there are um and when you embrace that mm-hmm. rather than resist it um because to resist it means that you've got to do some serious psychological gymnastics in your own mind to 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 try to put away some of the fact that some relationships are just hard yeah um some jobs don't work out um some people get sick before their time you know you're some pets run away. I mean, you know, it just there are bad things that happen among us, and when they do, um, if you don't have a context of of a faith that allows for that reality, then you have to you have to blame somebody else other than a spiritual realm for good and evil, and that's the that's one of the beauties of the Christian faith is that, that it gives us plenty of room to understand why good and evil exist coexist at the same time together, and if you don't have that. Um, coexisting, then I've got to blame you for all the crap that happens in my life or someone else. Jesus
0: even says it. He goes, they said, should we pull up the weeds right now? Basically, in essence, should we get rid of all the evil? Should we get rid of the evil people in the world? Right. And the master responds really interesting. He says, no, it could damage the wheat. So don't do that. Wait until the end. Let it grow up together and then I'll sort. So he's not saying justice will never come. He's saying "Uh, we're going to wait. And it reminds me, of the long sufferingness of God it's like uh that what is it first peter um or second peter the lord's not slow in keeping his promise as some understand it's, slowness and, and it's, as really they should say as <laughs> as i understand so that's me there instead he is patient he's long suffering yeah. not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance yeah. it seems
1: I mean, in, in some of my most honest moments, it seems that things are out of control. Sure, and and the rats are winning the rat race. Sure, but when you hear this parable, you you realize no God, God understood how things were going to unfold. He's honoring the choices of of freedom in freedom that he's actually gifted to people. He didn't give them the gift of freedom and then take it away. Yeah. And that causes a lot of junk in our life. Yeah, it's a terrible gift, isn't it? <laughs> it? Well, yeah. Yes and no, yeah. right? Yeah. It, because only love can exist if I have the freedom to choose it. And um, and so with all of that, so you, you get this opportunity to see that good and evil are existing, and yet... It's all, it's, God's got a plan. It takes a lot of faith to believe it sometimes, but he really does have a
0: plan. So one of the parables that we actually didn't even get to talk about, we just, we literally just skipped over it. Um, it's actually one of the longer parables. Uh, most of the parables are four verses or less. They're very quick and yep. pithy. Yep. This one is like long. It's involved. There's like layers to it. Yeah. It's uh, the parable of the sower, um, where Jesus is ex- explaining something about the kingdom, and I uh, and, uh, basically the, their farmer, he's sowing and he goes through four different types of soil that it lands on. Mm-hmm. The first is it fell on the path and the birds came and ate it up. Then there's rocky places. It didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but the, the soil was shallow. And then when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and it dies. Then it fell among thorns, yeah. uh, weeds that came up and choked it. And then it fell on good soil. Yeah. So he's giving four examples and three of the four are bad. They like it doesn't work out for the plant, right? Right. So when you when you and then later on Jesus actually explains it because his disciples are like, what, what it what, what they're actually they're like, help us understand what are you talking about? Yeah. And he actually explains Which is it.
1: Some, is some of the nature of parables is that there's sometimes they're difficult,
0: right, to and, understand. And so Jesus kind of gives a little bit of shading to that. How is that encouraging? Or, or what, he says, and at the end, whoever has ears, let him hear. Basically, like. Uh, when, how do you, how do you process this when you think about it? Um, and why is it encouraging or why is it, um, well, why is it encouraging?
1: Well, um, it's encouraging to me because sometimes I don't understand why people behave differently, um, in the same context or environment. Uh, See those, I, I, I take this to mean it's all in one field. Yeah. And there are different responses in this field. Yeah. There's a path that goes along the field. There's rocks. Then there's, you know, the weeds that come in. And it's it's encouraging that I see that there's room for lots of different responses. It's also encouraging when you get down to the good soil. Yeah. um, And that by God's grace, there's an actual opportunity for a, a multiplying effect of my life. Well, it says it says it
0: it produced a crop 30, 60, hundred times what was sown. Yeah, so that's real yeah.
1: impact. I remember um, reading a story about a guy, and he had he had said, "I want to live my life in such a way that on my tombstone, I want to put one hundred times."
0: Oh, that's cool. And um, so this is an encouragement then to the disciples. Look, not everyone's going to accept this message, guys. Right? It's just not. But those that do can sow a crop 30 60 100 times and that's that's an incredible thing so is it is it a, a word of encouragement to the disciples that there's going to be failures in your ministry, in your life. Not everyone's going to come to Jesus. Not everyone's going to come to the Father, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, that could certainly be one of the applications. It could also
1: be, remember now, the, the opposition, this is kind of when the dividing line of the opposition is, has reached its climax in, in chapter 12. And now in chapter 13, Jesus even changes the way he speaks to the crowds Yeah, because of the intensity of the oppositions. So there has to be also a word of rebuke. Yeah. You know, that, hey, um, make sure that you're in the fourth soil. Make sure that you're the kind of person
0: there. Yeah. Is my heart the good soil? Yeah. Right. And then what, so what it does, and we, I used to preach this all the time with youth, right? Cause you think like, is something stealing you away from God, right? Right. Is there something you have that's a barrier to God? And kids can think on that, and they say, "Oh, there's this thing that's like pulling me away from God. It's like a crow snatching me away, or I'm yeah. distracted, or, or or you know, one of I remember one girl. She said it's travel softball. She goes, it makes it wow. impossible for me to attend church, so I'm gonna. I got to figure this out. Like, so she would come midweek. Yeah. Um. And, and she couldn't miss on the weekends, but she would come midweek, like religiously. And then that launched her uh, shallow soil. Is there something you're not getting the nourishment of God? Like, what does that look like to be nourished in good soil? Right. Yeah. And then the thorns are there things that are choking around a lot of times with kids at their friends or distractions, yeah. you know? And so it's like, Hey, let me get rid of these. Yeah. And as you get older, it
1: becomes the material chasing after material possessions or the right zip code or the sure. right school. Or the right job or the right time.
0: All those things. Yeah. Those are thorns. that can, We've seen this a million times, right? So what the parable does, see what already, do you see what it's doing? It's, it's forcing you to, if I want to have ears, if I want to be good soil, what does that look like? Right. And then, and then you begin yeah. examination. It actually provokes reflection and response, which is incredible. Yeah. And the beauty of the, 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 the teachings
1: or the parables as they lay out is you get this warning about this warfare. There's, there are two sides, good and evil, yeah. and they are battling, mm-hmm. you know. and But the, what happens, then you, you, you say, okay, that's the reality of the world. But the reality of how the kingdom expresses itself is um, it only takes a little bit you know, thank God. Are you talk about the yeast. In the, yeah. Now, it, and you transition the to scene. the next story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've got this, it only takes a little bit, um, for a lot of impact to happen. And that is true in my life. Um, uh, uh, a young man named Scott Coy at the time who was a Dallas seminary student had become, um, had worked for young life and started a young life club in my high school. And, and, um, his impact on my life, he, he just little things, a coach named John Hacker, who's now with the Lord that, um, just little things that he did in my life that had gigantic, gigantic, um, consequences for me and changes for me that, that took a kid that didn't have a father, yeah, didn't have that, that influence, didn't have a clue and was a hellion. I mean, was, in was destined to become, uh, A statistic for sure, either in jail or or in death. And just a few men's time and they did not lots, just little bits. Yeah. I mean, really did change my life. And and I bet most of us have stories that are just like that. Yeah. Just a little bit of effort um
0: produces these gigantic amounts of 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 impact. For me it was a guy named Jeff Schultz. He was a youth leader and right around Ninth grade, he would call me up, call me up. So this is before cell phones. He would call me up (laughs) on my landline and he would invite me and a couple of the other boys in the youth group to come play basketball with him like three times a week. And my dad would drive. He would literally come home early from work, like Hmm. get off early from work just to play basketball with us. And it was watching him with his wife. She was pregnant at the time. So there was now their boys are like grown. They're in college or whatever. But it was like watching, it was like, and and the reason I thought about this a lot, like what was it about Jeff that like was so transformative? And I, and I know it was, it was, he actually was the first Christian I knew or the first Christian person who legitimately liked me. Mm. Not like had to, he liked me. Mm. And that when you're a junior high or early high schooler, the idea of an adult like liking you mm-hmm. is is trans it's 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 the whole game yeah and it was he enjoyed like me and he kept inviting me like that is so invitational and that in his i mean he served in the youth group for for years and years and years and years because he's like this is what you do you try to help young people like yeah. find god he was devout he was serious about god he was joyful he was winsome he loved his wife he loved his like I, I didn't have, I didn't have models for this. So a little, a little bit, I mean, it was just, what is that? It's a little bit. It's him changed like so many of us. And even now, like the legacy, there's so many people, young men that I'm still Uh, friends with who are, are devout followers of Jesus, because this was the beginning of the introduction of it.
1: Yeah. And so much of the time, I think we, we recognize the issues of good and evil and there's a battle going on, and we recognize it in ourselves. If we're honest, if we're introspective um, and a little contemplative about the, the reality of what's going on between our ears, we know that our thoughts are not always honoring, that our, that our thoughts are many times selfish and, and centered around ourselves. And so we can fixate there and think, I have nothing to offer. Mm-hmm. I have nothing really to offer. And that's the beauty. Of, that's why I've been really encouraged this whole time. As I've been, you know, thinking and studying these these parables, that right on the heels of the battle of good and evil and the reality of our world is the reality of the kingdom of heaven. Is that it's really, unstoppable? It's unstoppable, and the requirements of you is very little. Yeah, right. Faith, faith, faith is in big, Jesus
0: as big as a mustard. Faith seed. in
1: Jesus, and then just live with your eyes. open to the the needs and the wants and the personalities and all the beauty around you. And whatever you love to do, find something you love to do and as long as it's legal, then commit it to Christ and just enjoy it. And see if you can invite others in on it. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be anything from, you know, playing basketball in the afternoons with a bunch of junior high and high school kids all the way to to maybe quilting or hiking
0: or whatever. You went to quilting.
1: I know. I was trying to think of something on the far end. So I was thinking basketball and quilting because I don't, you know, quilting would not be my interest, but there are certainly some. And so whatever, whatever you love, you know, that's, that's, that's sanctified, just turn it over to Christ and see what he does with it.
0: Or put it another way. If you give your life to Jesus, there is no telling the impact it's going to have. You just can't possibly imagine the impact, and that's the parable of the yeast and the well, mustard it's gonna seed. It's
1: going to be if 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 you if it's not super effective, it's going to be thirty times your life,
0: <laughs> right? Thirty x. Thirty x. That's a good return on that's your a investment. Good that's return. a good
1: return. I'll take that. I'll take that every day. And if you're if you're middle
0: of the road, it's sixty
1: x. And if you're you know really committed and and
0: hundred x. Hundred x. Hey, can I tell you something I saw in the text that um, you, you probably saw it, but I thought it was super interesting. There's this moment where Jesus is talking about the yeast, right? And this is in verse 32. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed. And I'm in the NIV. But if you go to the ESV or to um, some of the other ones, you're going to see that um, it says that. Hold on. Hold on. It says. uh, the, um, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that she took and hid in three measures of flour or sometimes it's three, um, 60 pounds of flour, but the actual language is three sias, S E A H. So, what's interesting about three sias is Jesus, it's a very weird measurement, like 60 pounds of flour. Like that seems like a lot of flour. <laughs> yeah. Like that's three measures, three sias, uh, 60 pounds. They're, they're translating it for us because they want us to do it. But what it's doing is there's a ter- there's a time. When that exact phrase, three seas of flour" shows up, and it's all the way back in Genesis 18, the angel of the Lord and God appears to Abraham at his tent. And he says, come in, let me make a meal, right? And so they make a meal. And then it says in the text that um, she took, uh, Sarah is like making, it says, let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and go on your way. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into his tent, and he said, quick, get three seahs of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. And what this story, here's why this is interesting. The reason why God is there, why he's visiting, is in the next verse, he says, the Lord says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm going to tell him. He says, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin is so grievous, that I'm going to go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I'll know. And then there's the whole, the whole thing where he's bargaining with God. Like how much, how many people will it take? How many righteous people? Yeah. For you to preserve the city 50 and he gets down to 30, 20, 10. Like he's how much leavening agent will it take? Yeah. And it's not very much. It's not very much. I think God relents you know with a dozen so if there's just like a dozen people in this city they could change um the way the city is they 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 yeah. there. and he says i have made you that you might actually what's he say um he will become a great nation he says god says right after this i have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the lord by doing what is right and just justice and righteousness and the lord will bring about for abraham what he's promised this great nation he's saying like the whole point of abraham's life is to walk like god is to be a, a, a Selim, an image bearer hmm. to to be like a, and it just takes a little bit just a little bit that's uh, that that story of sodom and Gomorrah, and of course there's not that's the tragedy there's not 50 there's not, pe- that many there's people. not 50 people who are righteous right. and so it's destroyed it's our, but if there had been if there had been, God could have relented. There could have been. Yeah. So I think Jesus is making an intentional tie back to that moment. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. It's because it, they're they're analogous stories, maybe, or maybe it's just a little bit of a hint. Maybe it's just an echo. And Jesus is going into, ret- but but I find that utterly fascinating because I think the stories Jesus would stand over Jerusalem and say, "I've I've long." I've longed to gather you. Yeah. So it's it's it looks like it's both sides of the equations. It's, is that it doesn't take
1: very much for uh, God to relent, and then it also doesn't take very much for a whole city to be changed.
0: Exactly. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, and that's the reality of the kingdom because we just need to be faithful about how God's moving in our own experiences, and because we it's it's all God's work anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're just cooperating with Him.
0: Yeah. Well, and that is encouraging because it means, uh, and we talked about this in the in, in the message. It doesn't take that many. Uh, the yeah. look, I don't know if Jesus is saying like one out of every, in the parable of the sower, one out of every four people is going to come to Christ. I don't know if the ratios matter. I don't. He doesn't say it, but it does. It is interesting. It's one out of four. But I do think that when he says it's just a little bit of yeast, we did the science on this. The ratio of yeast to leavening is one to three hundred and seventy three. So there's one leavening agent for every 373 parts of a flour. And that's that's the scientific equation for it, which means like in the Bay Area, it's only it only take like what
1: 5,000? Well, it's never there's never been a time in history when God was waiting for more people to get his <laughs> get his will accomplished.
0: So like let's be the yeast, right? Let's yeah, be the, let's be completely devoted yeah. to Jesus and be one of those yeast particles. I think you have to be curious. there you can't push those ratios. No, it, no, hard. no, no. Of course, but, but but the principle
1: is there. Is that it yes. just takes a little bit. Yeah, uh, just such a little bit can make a big difference. Yeah, yeah. That's um, and that's the issue. That's the point. And how ex- What an exciting way to live your life. Yeah, it, it, to, to get up each day and think I can matter. Yeah, I I need to I need to be aware that there's a war going on, and I need to be, be aware of the good and evil around me, and I I want to make sure I'm on the right side of this battle, but. As I'm on the right side of the battle, as I live my life out, as I see people around me, I can respond in a way that's kind, that's compassionate, that's patient with people, that's affirming of them and, and, and who they are. And that just, just I can't tell you how many times in my life, just a single, a single word of encouragement just launched me into another direction. You, Steve, you can do this. And I thought, yeah, maybe I can. You know where I was just all the all the doubts and the self talk sure. was negative. Just little things you just never know. Uh, you know the the I've had this saying in my life for a long time. People are hurting more than you know and more than they'll ever show. Wow. And it is it's true, it's true of me, and um, and just simple words uh, can really make a big difference. Yeah.
0: Huge to make a big difference. Well, I mean, well, that's the first part of the parables, I guess. Um, I, we're gonna we're gonna come back to some more parables later on in the Gospels, right? Um, and again, I love I love what they are. So just sit with them, maybe meditate on them, kind of think about them, and uh, and let them change you because that's that's the goal of this. What powerful teachings! Well, thanks, Steve, for stopping by. Yeah, and great uh, to be with you. Well, yeah, and great to be on video. Oh yeah, now, yeah. And then next week we are going into what are we doing? Oh. Do uh, yep. We're walking on water and feeding people. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some some more miracles. So, yeah. very cool. All right, well, we'll see you next week. Yep, yeah. good to be with you. Bye. All right, just want to say thanks to Steve Clifford for stopping by. Next week, Steve and I are going to talk about the next chapter, which um, Jesus feeds 5,000 people, and there's some walking on water. So... Pretty familiar and uh, pretty mind-blowing. So, so stop by for that, and uh, we'll see you next week.